0: I want to be willing to forgive, but I dare not ask for the will to forgive in case you give it to me, and I am not yet ready.
1: This is the Living Prophets Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Maxmeister. In this episode, I bring you a sermon from Rob Hardys of All Souls Church, Unitarian in D.C., And he's talking about the work we must do before we're ready to forgive. And beyond that, I'm giving an example of where this really comes into play in the story of Amber Geiger and the trial.
0: The Camino is one of the world's great ancient pilgrimage trails beginning in France and stretching some 700 kilometers to the rugged northwest coast of Spain. And every year, thousands of pilgrims of many lands and many faiths walk all or some portion of the Camino. Folks undertake a pilgrimage like this for lots of different reasons. But I'll tell you what. Scratch the surface of just about any pilgrim's story, and before long, you'll bump up against the problem of forgiveness. It seems that just about everyone on the Camino is struggling to forgive. Themselves, somebody close to them, God, fate And now we find ourselves on the Sunday before the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur itself a reminder of our perennial need to forgive and be forgiven It's our custom at all souls to that on the Sunday closest to Yom Kippur we join with our Jewish siblings in reflecting on the need for forgiveness in our lives <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it is in that spirit that I'll share with you this morning a prayer that came across my desk not too long ago. A prayer written by South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his daughter, the Reverend Mpho Tutu. And the prayer caught my attention because of its suggestive title. It's called The Prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. (laughs) Yeah, it goes like this. Dear God, I wanna be willing to forgive, but I dare not ask for the will to forgive in case you give it to me and I am not yet ready. I am not yet ready for my heart to soften. I am not yet ready to be vulnerable again. Not yet ready to see that there is humanity in my tormentor's eyes, or that the one who hurt me may also have cried. I am at the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. I am not yet ready for the journey. I am not yet interested in the path. Grant me the will to want to forgive. Granted to me, not yet. But soon. Ever find yourself in a place like that? I think many of us have uttered a similar prayer before ourselves. A prayer that expresses our our desire to forgive, our our good intention to forgive, but that also confesses that we are not quite there yet. We're thinking about it, we're getting close, but we're not yet ready to forgive. It's the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. And I just want to pause this morning for a moment and and honor that this is an honest and totally legitimate expression of where we sometimes are on our journey toward forgiveness. We want to get there. We really do. We know it's the right thing to do. We don't want to keep being burdened by this resentment and anger and guilt. We want to be free of it. If only for our own health and wholeness, we want to forgive. But not yet. We're not quite there yet. That's real. And it invites the question, well, what steps might be necessary for us to move forward on this journey of forgiveness? How do we move from this place of desire and good intent to forgive to actually being able to do it? How do we get ready to forgive? I want to begin by saying that I think forgiveness is a lot like the grieving process, which is to say it's a little bit different for everyone, right? In my experience, it's not a one-and-done kind of event, but more like a journey that has its progress and its setbacks, its highs and its lows. And like grief, no two forgiveness journeys are the same. We all do it on our own timeline. But there are, I think, some important touchstones Along the way, I want to share some of those touchstones with you this morning. I think that the first important step toward forgiveness is to acknowledge and name that hurt exists. Name the harm, either the harm that another that another has done to you or if it's yourself that needs forgiving, the harm that you feel you've caused. Name it. This might seem like an obvious first step, but I'll tell you, there's one way you can be sure you'll never forgive someone, and that is if you don't ever consciously admit to yourself that they hurt you. And it's easy for us to be in denial when others hurt us. Especially those closest to us, right? I think we've all experienced how we can go around pretending that we don't have a problem with someone. Pretending that we weren't hurt while all the while harboring this semi-conscious grudge against them that shows up in all these weird, passive-aggressive ways. We'll say to someone, Hey, we're, we're good. It's okay. Or, it's all good. When it is not all good, right? Being in denial about our hurt is a surefire way to never get to forgiveness. So acknowledging the hurt. That's number one. And once we've named it, then we must also tend to the hurt. Forgiveness, in my experience, doesn't happen when our wounds are still open and raw. You know, we preachers have a saying that goes like this. Preach from your scars... Not your wounds. All preachers use our own experience of struggle and sorrow to minister to others from the pulpit. But if we do that while our wounds are still raw, our sermons become a form of self therapy rather than a ministry to others. Okay? So we say, preach from your scars, not your wounds. And I think the same is true of forgiveness. We forgive from our scars not from our wounds. If you want to forgive, first find the help you need to heal that wound, to tend to the hurt that was done to you, to care for yourself. I was reminded of this lesson recently while listening to a TED talk given by the Sikh civil rights activist, Valerie Kaur. Kaur tells the painful story of how her uncle was murdered in one of the first documented hate crimes in the wake of 9-11. Kaur's uncle, Balbir Singh Sodhi owned a gas station in in Mesa, Arizona. He was planting flowers outside his station when a man named Frank Roque drove by, shot, and killed him. It was later revealed that on the night of 9-11, Mr. Roque had been overheard saying he wanted to kill some, and he said a slur for Muslims. In 2015, 14 years after her uncle's murder, Valerie Corr and her family did a remarkable thing. They called him up in prison and offered him their forgiveness. And at first the man was unable really to receive this gracious offer. He didn't want to accept their forgiveness But as the conversation progressed, he he began to open up and his heart softened. And by the end of the conversation, he said to Valerie and her family, I want you to know from my heart that I am sorry for what I did to your brother. And one day when I go to heaven to be judged by God, I will ask to see your brother and I will give him a hug. And I will ask him for forgiveness. But Valerie Kaur makes the point in this TED talk that it took her family 14 years before they'd offered this remarkable extension of grace. And that in those intervening years, they loved and cared for one another. They tended to their community. They labored on behalf of their community to to try to prevent future hate crimes. In other words, they tended to the hurt. And only when that scar tissue had formed were they able to make that gracious act. So name the hurt, tend to the wound, and I'd like to add one more step in this process of getting ready to forgive. And that is to remember. But one of the lessons that Archbishop Tutu learned from South Africa's truth and reconciliation process was that when people told their story, When they remembered their story out loud, it helped them to forgive. Hurt and grievance are not something we want to keep bottled up inside of us, right? Talking it out, remembering out loud, helps us to free us from the situation that needs forgiving. Now, especially in cases of trauma, this kind of remembering out loud often requires the help of a trained professional. But oftentimes, all it takes is a good friend who can listen to our story, right? Sometimes we tell our story to our friends over a beer or a glass of wine to get some much-needed sympathy, to get a little love. Sometimes we tell our stories to our friends Because we really want them to agree with us about what a jerk the person was who did this to us, right? We do that too. But as we go on telling the story, as we go on remembering, we may also gain some helpful insight and perspective. Sometimes in the remembering, we can learn something more about our own suffering and the suffering of the person we seek to forgive. Sometimes we might better understand how our own behavior or actions might have contributed to a conflict, for example, or to the breakup of an important relationship. This perspective can be healing. To forgive is to remember that nobody is perfect, that each of us stumbles when we want so much to stay upright. To forgive is to remember that each of us says things we wish we had never said, that we can all forget that love is more important than being right. To forgive is to remember that we are so much more than our mistakes that accepting another's flaws can help us accept our own. To forgive is to remember that the odds are pretty good that we might one day soon need to be forgiven ourselves. That life can sometimes give us more than we can handle gracefully. To forgive is to remember that we have room in our hearts to begin again and again.
1: And in a wonderful recent example of the power of forgiveness, I'm going to play a brief recording of Brant Jean, who was Botham Jean's brother who took the stand in the court case against Amber Geiger, the former policewoman in Dallas who walked into the wrong apartment and shot an innocent person, and listen to how he struggles with but somehow finds in himself the ability to forgive Amber Geiger for killing his brother.
2: I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just. I hope you go to God with all what all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. Can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
1: How interesting is it that the news in our time think that the facts of the case are what's newsworthy, when in fact, if we are spiritual beings, the news here is about a person who is being forgiven? That's not easy. To have a guilty person go to jail is a dog bites man story, but to have the victims of a crime forgive and hug and try to reconcile that's a man bites dog story we're not put on this earth to go out and live the lives that we've been told to live we were put here to be examples to others of another way of being and we're working through this life to be a different kind of person And I think that Brant Jean is one of many of those people out there that just don't get enough attention. They don't captivate the imaginations of the people in these modern times like they could. So until next time, this has been the Living Prophets Podcast. The music of this podcast has been brought to you by Holly Bowling And... It would really help me if you could go onto Spotify or iTunes and give this podcast a thumbs up so that more people can find it. Until next time.